Exodus chapter 3, um, where we are in the Bible. We finished Genesis last week. If you weren't here last week, we finished Genesis chapter 50 with the story of Joseph being reunited with his family after 20 years of separation. And he forgives his family for what they did to him, mainly his brothers, selling him into slavery, putting him into a pit. He went through all different kinds of crazy emotions in, in, in Egypt and stuff. And so that was Joseph's life. From Genesis 50 to Exodus chapter 1, you are jumping 300 years in time. 300 years. Joseph, Jacob, all the brothers, they're dead. They're gone. There's a new pharaoh in town who didn't know anything about this Joseph. So it's a new generation. Years have gone by. We're still in Egypt. But now we come to one of the most important characters, one of the most famous characters in all the Bible in Exodus. Who would that be? Moses. You've got Moses. Moses is still considered today one of the most heroic characters in Israel's history. So if you go to Israel, I've been there three times, you go to Israel, you talk about Moses, they love you, because they love Moses. He is basically second to God, all right? They almost worship him too much. He was the law. He basically founded Israel, because God led them out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the promised land, and Moses was the guy who wrote Genesis through Deuteronomy, it's called the Torah, and that's the books of the Bible that the Jews read, the, the rabbis, the Hebraic Jews, those that are um, just fully devoted to God, they read those first five books, all right? They don't really consider Jesus, though, so that's where they need to get saved. It's all about Jesus now. Um, but Moses is one of the most heroic characters in all the Bible. But he didn't have such a heroic start. But our topic for today, you guys can take notes, please, because I've got a lot of stuff for you guys to write down. Our topic for today is when God calls us. When God calls us. And he called Moses at a late age of 80 years old. Where Moses kind of felt like, where am I? What is God doing in my life? He's a Hebrew, but he grew up Egyptian in the palace of Egypt, and he flees from Egypt, and we find him here in, Je in Exodus chapter 3 in the wilderness 40 years later. He's now 80 years old, and God says something to him. One of the biggest jobs that anyone has ever been told to do, go free three million people from slavery and bring them to my promised land. And Moses has a little argument with God, and God says, I'm not going to take no for an answer. I've called you, Moses, you're going. The same is with us for today. God is calling each and every one of us to do a specific task that he has for us. God forbid leading 3 million people out of slavery, all right? Oh, that would be awesome. But God has called you and I to do something specific in your life. Maybe not now, but maybe years later. But maybe God is calling you to do something now. How are you going to respond? How am I going to respond? Are we going to argue with God like Moses did? We're going to read that because we're all human. I kind of am happy that Moses almost shows his humanity, that he argued with God, and God says, Moses, stop. I've called you. Go do it. You're going to free my people from Israel, and I'm going to use you as my instrument. So Exodus chapter 3, let's, let's start there, and then read a few verses, and then we'll dive in and get kind of the context of where we are. But Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, he led the flock to, uh, to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses. Sorry, Prince of Egypt, anyway. And he said, 
Here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I've come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up from, a, from this land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and the Parasites. That's a joke. Uh, now, there, <laughs> you guys all like, what? <laughs> now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. I've also seen the oppression from which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Let's pause there and pray. Father, we come to you now this morning with humble hearts. We pray that you go before us now of what your word has for us, that we may learn from Moses' story. God, apply it to our own lives. And Lord, when you call us to do something, Father, I pray that we wouldn't have any excuses, we wouldn't complain, we would do it, and do it through obedience, because we love you. And so, show us what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. You guys heard the phrase, uh, the simple phrase, that's no excuse, right? Who's heard that? Your, your parents, your coach, your teacher says, that's no excuse. Or you say something, but, 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 no excuses. Like, we really hate that line, yes? And we hate it when someone actually says it to us. If we say for someone to do something, they make the lamest excuses, but, 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 I have to do this. But, but, I have to do that. I couldn't think of anything, so I had to say this or that. But anyway... You get the point. We make excuses. We don't like doing things. Someone tells us to do something, especially when it's God, we're like, God, you've got the wrong person. I don't want to do this. I can't do this. The same thing happened with Moses. Moses is now appearing before God in the form of a burning bush. The bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. It's not burnt up. It's a supernatural experience that Moses sees, and he goes to it checks it out, and it's God speaking to him through the bush, all right? If any of that happened to you today, if God were to appear outside here in the park with a, a tree just in flames, and it calls your name out, like I'll, I'll just use Jacob better. Jacob, Jacob. That's a little creepy, though. You say, no, go away, demon bush. I'm done with you, and you run away. Moses, though, goes right to it, seriously. I don't, we don't know the tone of God. We don't know how God sounded. The Prince of Egypt makes it sound like very soft. Moses. Moses. Yes, God. I actually think it was like this. Moses. Mo. No. I'm getting out of here. All right. It could have been the sheep. The sheep could have been like, Moses. Look. Moses. I've got a weird mind, okay? That's a, take that as you will. That's a good one. I like that. The lamb said it. Now, um, how, however it sounded, you can, you can have it sound however you want. God called Moses out of the bush. says, come here. I'm, I want you to do something special. Free my people out of Egypt. What? Seriously? Now, let me backtrack where we are. Where we are in the story. I told you Genesis chapter 50 to Exodus chapter 1 is 300 years. All right? Jacob and his family brought 70 of their, of, 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 uh, their family members to Egypt. When, J when Joseph brought them out of Egypt and there was a famine in the land, Jacob had 70 people in his family. 
For 300 years, 70 people, and 300 years, a lot of time, the Israelite people grew to about 3 million people. And they're living in Egypt. Pharaoh at this time sees that the Israelite people are growing, that they're becoming too numerous for him, and, they're, and he basically is saying, hey, the more they grow, they could overpower us, make war against us, and we could be wiped out because he was fearful of them because they were just so numerous. God was blessing them. Pharaoh says, we got to do something about this. we got to stop their growth population. Here's what I want you to do. Every Hebrew baby boy that's born, he told this to the Hebrew midwives, the nurses that would deliver the babies, whatever baby is born, if it's a boy, kill it, throw him into the Nile. If it's a girl, let her live. He was trying to reduce the growth rate. It was abortion. And Pharaoh says, I want you to kill the baby boys. The Hebrew midwives leave. They disobey the orders because they believed in God. They said, this is not right. We're not going to take the lives of these baby boys. And they spare them. Pharaoh finds out, says, why didn't you do what I commanded? He says, for, all right, forget you Hebrew midwives. I'm going to have the, the Pharaoh, Pharaoh's official guards do, the, do these things. And they would take baby boys and throw them in the Nile. It was crazy. It was a huge massacre. One mother spared her son. Her name was Jochebed, we find in Exodus. The, the son's name is Moses. She hides him in a basket and flows him out onto the Nile River. Basically lets him go because she saw something in her son. And God saw something too because God was going to use Moses for a specific purpose. And he spared his life. The basket has flowed down the river. We see that none other than Pharaoh's daughter, she's down there in the river, she retrieves the basket, sees that it's a, it's a baby boy. Like, what is this? This basket is screaming. Opens the basket, it's, it's baby boy. All right, it's like a happy meal. Yeah! All right, that's weird. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. The baby boy is, is delivered. Pharaoh's daughter draws him out. She has a dialogue with Moses' mother. Says, hey, I'll nurse, I'll nurse the baby until the baby's, you know, one or two years old. And then Pharaoh's daughter would adopt Moses as her own son. So Moses is Hebrew but he would be raised in the Egyptian culture. He'd be raised in the palace of Egypt for 40 years. Now in chapter 2, go to Exodus chapter 2, look at verse 11. Moses is now 40 years old. He's 40 years old in chapter 2. He's grown up in the Egyptian ways. Acts chapter 7 said Moses learned about the Egyptian hieroglyphics. He knew all the mathematicians of Egypt. He was well-versed in Egyptian culture and literature. He knew Egypt pretty well. But he still knew his culture for who he was. His heart was a Hebrew. He followed God. And it says in Acts chapter 7 that he thought God's timetable was maybe off and that Moses was supposed to help his people right now. And in chapter 2, I'm not going to read it real quick, but I'll just give you the, the glimpse of it. In chapter 2, Moses sees one of his Hebrew brothers, you know, a Hebrew, not a relative, but just a Hebrew brother in his, in his blood, being beaten up by an Egyptian. He looks this way and that to see if anyone's looking. He goes and attacks the Egyptian and kills him. I mean, he just goes rogue, and he says, I'm killing this guy, because he loves his Hebrew brothers. He hides him in the sand. He says, okay, I'm dusting my hands off of this. No one knows. I helped this guy. I helped you out. And he thinks that he's saving Israel at this time, when God says, no, 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 that's not my timetable yet. Moses took matter in his own hands. The next day, he sees two Hebrew guys fighting. They're taunting. They're talking to each other. They're arguing. Moses says, hey, 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 you guys are both Hebrews. I'm a Hebrew as well. Why are you doing this? Don't be fighting with each other. And they go back on him. They say, who made you judge? Talk back to us. Are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian? Word got out. Moses is like, uh, this is not good. I'm going to find out. Pharaoh's going to find out that I've killed this guy. I'm going to get killed for this. I'm running away. He flees Egypt. He leaves the palace, leaves his life for 40 years, 
and flees south to a place called Midian. There he meets his wife, meets his future father-in-law, has a couple kids, and he's living as a shepherd for 40 years in the wilderness. Now in chapter 3, what we just read, we're speeding up. He's 80 years old now. 80 years old. And God finally calls him and says, Hey, Moses, you've been living in the desert a long time. You've made a living. You have a family. But I actually am calling you to do one specific job, and it's an important job. I need you to go back to Egypt, retrieve my people, and bring them to this promised land. Now, in the course of this time, when, when God is talking to Moses in the burning bush, Moses has a little dialogue with God. He's talking to this bush. Okay, you got to remember, it's a bush. He's talking to it. All right? Some people think he'd been with the sheep too long. It's like you're talking to a bush, dude. All right? You're going crazy. But he knew it was something supernatural. And God is calling Moses to do something. And Moses, not once, not twice, not three times, not even four, five times, says, God, you've got the wrong guy. Five times makes excuses. Five times argues with God. Five times complains. Five times says, nope, I'm not doing this. It's interesting the dialogue you can read in chapter 3 and 4. Let's jump to chapter 4. Look at verse 1. This is one of the arguments that Moses starts making with God. He's arguing with them. And don't say that we've never done this before, because we do this with God all the time. We do this with God. Verse 1 of chapter 4. Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you, Moses. Come on, Moses. Really? Like, welcome to Moses. That was Moses, all right? What if they say, look, the Lord didn't appear to you. You're just an idiot. What are you doing? God says, hey, what do you have in your hand, Moses? Uh, staff. Okay, can you throw it on the ground? Sure. Throws it on the ground. Becomes a cobra, all right? Moses runs away. That's a snake, run! He runs away. It's a snake. God says, pick up the snake by the tail. Seriously? No, I hate snakes. I wouldn't even do this. I'm like, I'm going to start arguing with God about the snake. I am not picking up that snake. But that was my staff. I don't really get it. Okay. Picks it by the tail, becomes a staff again. Moses is like, whoa, dude. All right? He really has been living in the desert too long. This is crazy, man. All right? God says, all right, you don't believe that one either? Because Moses still is like, I'm not buying it. All right? Not buying it. Moses says, put, put, uh, God says, Moses, put your hand in your cloak. Okay, puts his hand in his cloak, says, all right, draw it out. Pulls it out. It's white as snow with boils all over it. It's leprosy. It was a disease. It was a skin disease. His, his hand was white as snow about to peel and break off. You could break off the fingers. That's what leprosy was. It was, it was, it was just, think of it as moist tissue. Mmm, yummy Krispy Kreme. All right, he's got it out. He's like, no! What have you done? God says, put your hand back in your cloak, Moses. I'm just trying to show you something. Puts his hand back in. Draws it back out. Here's his hand. Moses is like, whoa, dude. Still not buying it, man. He still argues. God says, look, I'm showing you these, Moses, because you are going to do these signs and even greater signs to Pharaoh, for his, for his heart is going to be hard, and we need to lead my people out of Egypt. Moses still argues with them. Look what he says here in verse 10. Chapter 4, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, guess what? I am not eloquent. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow in speech and slow of tongue. Now, some scholars believe that Moses may have a speech impediment. I actually just believe he just was, did not want to do public speaking. Okay? It is the number one fear in America. God says, I want you to speak to the people. And Moses is like, ah, actually, God, I really don't talk too well. Fumble my words. I, I just really get scared of public speaking. I can't do this. I hate speaking, God. Come on. God says, really, Moses? 
Really? Look what he says. Verse 11. The Lord told him, who has made man's mouth? Who designed the head and the mouth to speak? Who, who gives the blind to see and the deaf to hear? He says, who did that? I did. You need to go, Moses. Go. I will speak through you. You'll be my mouthpiece. Moses, at this time, could have been like, all right, I got this. I'm doing it. Thanks, God. No, no, no. One more argument. Look what he says here. Wasn't enough for him. Verse 13, but he said, oh, my Lord, please send the, by the hand of whomever else you may send. Translation, he said, God, God, just please send somebody else. I'm done. Please send somebody else. You have got the wrong guy. I love the next verse. God said, it's, the Bible says in verse 14, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. NIV says his anger burned against Moses. God says, Moses, Moses, I'm done with this. You're going. Moses argued five times. And the last argument he made was saying, God, you've got it wrong. Please send somebody else. I'm not the guy. How many times do we do that with God? How many times do we do that with even our parents, our family, our friends? Maybe God is speaking through someone into your life saying, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that. I see God calling you into this. It's like, no, 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 you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong girl. I can't, I can't do this. The same thing that Moses did. I love almost his humanity that we can see that we are just like Moses. And Moses was 80 years old, okay? It's not like he's a teenager like, oh, I don't think I can do this. He's 80. He's a grown-up, all right? He's got a long beard. He's just looking pretty old. He's about to lead the people out of Israel. God says, you're my instrument. I want to use you, Moses. No questions asked. Isn't the same thing with us? How many times do we make excuses with God? How many times do we compromise with God? How many times do we say, God, you got it wrong? Ooh, don't ever say that to God. God got it wrong? God's timing is always perfect, people. No matter what age, no matter what time of life you're in, God is going to call you to something great. Many times we think that we're not good enough, talented enough, strong enough, smart enough to handle what God wants us to do. But we shouldn't make excuses. We shouldn't make excuses. We need to accept the challenge and trust God to help us face it and then finish the task. Moses was at a time in his life where his life was going to be forever changed. He would lead the people of Israel for another 40 years in the wilderness and would die on the mountain of God before even reaching the promised land. He never he wasn't even allowed to go see it. His whole life was this now. I mean, that's a lot. You're leading three million people. And three million people, someone's going to complain. And boy, did they complain. We're going to get into that later. But God says, Moses, you're my man. You're my person for this job. And God has a specific task and job for you as well that no one else can do. You're unique in the way God has made you, and God has a unique task for you as well. God put experiences in front of us to prepare us for bigger things to come. God had to prepare Moses for 40 years in the wilderness for this job now. God says, Moses, I know you got comfortable in the wilderness. I know you got comfortable where you are, but I need you to leave your comfort zone and go back to Egypt and save my people. Moses is like, God, I want to, but I don't want to do it. You got the wrong person. God says, no, I don't. Don't ever say that, Moses. It's interesting. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 
Paul writes that God will use the foolish to shame the wise. God will use the lowly to despise, basically, and to make fun of the high and mighty. God will use the ones that are despised and discouraged and rejected to shame the ones that are high and mighty. God uses people that the world would not expect God would use. So if God can use Moses, who basically was like, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm not the guy. I'm not the person for this job. Please send somebody else. If Moses is in that state, and he wasn't really ready to go back to Egypt, and this was a big task God is asking, what small tasks is God asking and we still make excuses? What is God asking us to do where it's nowhere near this, yet we say, ah, Lord, maybe tomorrow. Actually, I gotta do this thing. You know, I don't really wanna talk to them and witness to them. I, they're just not really in the right state with you and I can wait later. I don't know what God's calling you to do. Maybe God is calling you to lead a Bible study at your school. And God is putting, putting on your heart, and you're like, where is this coming from? I don't understand. Like, why do I have a burden for some of these friends that aren't saved? I need to lead a Bible study at my school. God may be calling you to do that. And you may start playing that excuse game with God, saying, no, 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 God, I think you got the wrong person. Let, let Johnny do it. Johnny's a faithful, you know, Bible scout. Let him do it. I'm here. I don't want Johnny. I want you. But what, let me. Johnny, I got something else for you, all right? Okay. Just made that whole dialogue in my head. <laughs> I'm telling you, I got random stuff going in my head. I don't know. God may be calling you to do something important, something that you're not even thinking of right now. God may be calling you to go to the mission field, full-time missionary. He's done that before. Even at your age, God has called somebody at your age to go on a full-time mission field. Maybe God is calling you to do that. Not just one mission trip here or there, but actually full-time missions. Maybe God is calling you to go to full-time ministry, saying, Lord, you've put this on my heart, this burden for church and for people and shepherding them and showing God's love. Maybe I'm called to this. God may be calling you to do certain things. Maybe God is simply calling you to follow him wholeheartedly and just simply talk to a neighbor. Not, not something huge and mighty. Maybe God is simply just saying, I want you to follow me now. Stop following the world and yourself. Start following me. Just do that. God may be tugging on your heart right now with that still small voice calling your name. He's saying, I want you to do this. Simply just do this. Three things I want you guys to write down. Whatever the task may be, when God calls you, here's the three things. Number one, listen. Number two, trust. Number three, obey. They sound easy and cliche, but it honestly, this is what God calls us to do. Moses had to listen to God. Moses had to stop talking. He kept making excuses. But God, but God, go, 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 go. No, Moses, stop. I've called you to go. Listen. God would say that to his disciples when he sent his son Jesus to the earth, he says, this is my son whom I love. I want you to listen to him. Listen. We do a lot of talking rather than listening. Our culture today is more talk, less listen. God says, I want you to listen more, less talk. Because God will use you and be the mouthpiece for his glory and talk to people through you. God says, just do what I've asked. Listen to me. Number two is trust. I know it's Christian cliche. It's like, oh, we always say about trust God. Trust God. Honestly, we don't trust God, though. We have to keep reminding ourselves to do that because we don't. God may be saying, hey, I want you to leave, you know, this area, and when you go to college, I want you to do this and move to another state and, and be a missionary in that, in that area. It's like, whoa, God, you got the wrong person. I can't do that. That's just too much for me. No, 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 God actually may have that right thing for you. You just need to trust in him. How do you think Abraham felt? We've talked about Abraham. When he left his home country, his homeland, and God says, I want you to go to this place. 
Nowhere in the Bible is it recorded Abraham was like, oh, I'm not so sure, God. He followed him. That's why Abraham is one of the most amazing characters in all the Bible, that he was the father of our faith because he really put faith in action. He trusted God. But number three is obey. How are you going to obey God when he calls you to do something? And again, it may not be super spiritual where, you, where you're talking about pastoral ministry, Tyler, and a lot of missionary work. Like, why, what else for me in my, in my life right now as a 17-year-old in high school? What am I supposed to do? That's why I said maybe it's just simply following the Lord and let people see your lives and let Jesus be overflowing in your life that people will see that. Because then, then God may call you, hey, now I, now I want you to go witness to that person. I want you to go talk to them. God is going to use the foolish of the world, where the world thinks that that's a foolish thing to do. God's going to shame the wise of this world, the wisdom of this world. God works in mysterious ways. I'm sure you've heard that too. And he sure does. He called Moses out of a bush, a burning bush, speaking to him. Moses goes. It's not easy. It's not always the dream job. But God still says, go. I'm going to use you, Moses. I'm going to use you. And later, we're going to start talking more about Exodus with the Ten Commandments and, and what they went through the wilderness. But they would go through the wilderness. God, God would use Moses to go to Egypt, free the Jews, the Hebrews, and take them out. It was a long process. But then God would actually wander them through the desert for 40 years. 40 years. It was no accident. God was teaching them a lesson. But God had to first teach Moses a lesson first and meet with him one-on-one. -on -one. Maybe you haven't had that contact with God yet where it's a one-on-one -on -one contact where you know without a doubt God's talking to you, saying, hey, I don't know why God's asking me to do this, but he is. And I'm, I'm hoping that I'm doing the right thing. Look, think of Jeremiah and Timothy. Jeremiah in the Old Testament, Timothy in the New Testament. Jeremiah, it says in Jeremiah chapter 1 where God says, I've called you from birth, Jeremiah. I need you to do this task. I need you to be a prophet for me. And Jeremiah actually said, well, I'm a young guy. No one's going to listen to me. God says, I don't want to hear that, that you're a young guy in age. I'm still going to use you. Same thing with Timothy. Paul said to Timothy, and it's for us today, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example in faith, in love, in life, in speech, in impurity. God will use you. Don't let your age be a wall where it's like, well, I'm only 17, so surely God will wait till I'm about 25. Oh, I don't think so. God used many young men and women at a very young age, even younger than yourself. For goodness sake, Mary, the theologians will say Mary's about 14 years old when she would bear the son of the, of the, son of the uh, creation. He was just, he was the son of God. God used her at a young age. So don't think for a second that your age, your status, your qualities, your inabilities, your talents, your head knowledge, how strong you are, don't ever think that well, because I'm not this, surely God's not going to use me. God will use you. When God calls us, I pray that we respond to that calling. The same way that Moses did. You may make excuses with God, but God's going to still say, nope, I'm not going to take no for an answer. I want you to do this. And if you do feel a tug on your heart, a calling to do something, come talk to me. Or come talk to one of our leaders. Come find a friend that you know is close and say, hey, actually the Lord has been calling me to do this. I just need encouragement. I need you to build me up. I need you to give me confirmation. If this is what I'm supposed to do, then pray for me. We have accountability in this room, so use it. And let God's word be an encouragement for you that God is going to call every single one of us to do something. If you're a Christian, get ready. God's going to call you. I don't know what it is, but he will. 
Respond to that calling. Be willing to do it. Don't make excuses. Do what he says. It's going to go well with you. He's going to bless you for it. Amen? Man, I want to pray for you guys. And I want you guys to understand that, look, we may never be as, as a big, famous person as Moses was. I mean, everybody knows Moses, but God may have you right where you are right now to be that certain somebody for someone else's life. I think that is the way God is going to work. God is going to speak softly into your heart to maybe go speak to another person with kind and gentle words, and God's going to use that person to speak to somebody else. God always uses people, but he uses the fools of the world to shame the wise. So if you think, like, I'm a fool, actually, you're, you're the wisest person that God knows. Let God use you. Let me pray. For additional teachings and to learn more about the Cornerstone Chapel Youth Group, visit us online at cornerstonechapel.net.